everyone, I'm Jacob Tony, and this is the FDI podcast. Welcome to the third episode of Fortress FDI, our mini-series about rising investment scrutiny and protectionism, where we speak to law experts to see how COVID-19 has made foreign investment very sensitive in many different countries around the globe. You can follow us on iTunes, Acast, or Spotify. Please, at this point, subscribe so that you can get more episodes in the future. Last week, we discussed the new guidance on the screening of foreign investment issued by the European Commission. Today, we will dig deeper into how a prominent member of the European Union, Italy, has upgraded accordingly its existing golden power legislation. Rome now seems even willing to go as far as asking for investors in strategic assets to keep jobs and research and development activities within the country on the ground of public order and security. Joining the FDI podcast today, we have Massimo Merola, who is the managing partner of the Brussels office of Italian law firm Bonelli Rede. Welcome, Massimo. Thanks for having me. Massimo, Italy reformed its uh, FDI screening uh, mechanism in uh, 2012 when uh, yeah. the country introduced the so-called uh, golden power legislation that basically yeah. granted, uh, amongst other things, the government the power to veto certain operations involving uh, foreign investors. Yes. In the past couple of years, we have seen Italian authorities being more assertive in uh, at least reviewing uh, certain operations uh, in sensitive uh, sectors. That legislation has now been updated to incorporate the new guidance issued by the European Union. But before discussing the details of the latest changes, do you want to give us a bit of a feeling of the evolution of the Italian legislation concerning the screening of uh, foreign direct investment or foreign investment operations in the past few years? You're right. The regulation dates back to 2012 and uh, the uh, foreign investment power screening is called uh, Golden Power in Italy. And uh, uh, the Italian government's special powers um, refers not only to foreign investment in strategic sectors, but also in some circumstances to domestic investments. There is, uh, since the very beginning, an ex-ante review of proposed transactions, uh, which starts uh, with the submission of a notification to the government, and usually it's the buyer uh, that submits that notification. Uh, what is important to know is that Italy's golden power legislation had already been gradually expanding its reach, uh, even prior to the last uh, emergency situation, so to the last um, uh, guidelines received by the, from the European Commission. And uh, this was driven by global trade tensions and uh, a few highly debated foreign investment cases. This expansion of uh, the legislation affected both the sectors covered and the time needed for authorization. When um, in 2012 uh, uh, this legislation was enacted, uh, uh, it applied to very traditional sectors, you know, uh, defense and national security, energy, uh, transport and telecommunications. Now it covers uh, almost uh, the entire range of sectors, or at least um, many uh, new sectors. Uh, after the the last uh, uh, changes. Okay, so what what have been uh, how the the country has uh, 
incorporated the new guidance issued by the European Commission in March into its uh, golden power legislation. Yeah, Italy uh, amended its golden power legislation immediately after the new FDI uh, guidance was issued. In fact, the guidance is, uh, is ad was adopted in um, the 20, 25th of March, and uh, Italy adopted a new decree on 8th of April. Uh, but the idea of strengthening a golden power legislation was already being discussed within uh, the government and parliament at that time. Now, um, what the new decree does? Uh, the new decree maintains the sectors as before and specifies that the financial and the health sectors now fall within the golden power scope of application. Okay. Uh, and then also, uh, if you allow me, three new categories were added, uh, which are very broad, as you can see. Uh, security of supply of critical inputs, access to confidential information, including person, personal data, and the media. So you see, it's a, a very, very broad update and increase of uh, competencies uh, for the relevant authorities. So, so you mentioned that the buyer generally has to notify the government with its intention, with its proposed operation. So when such an operation triggers or should trigger an investment review by the government? Uh, yes, this is uh, fairly complicated because there are uh, many uh, different situations. But basically, with the new rules in force today, at least until the end of this year, um, the acquisition of shareholdings in any company that holds one or more strategic assets, even in sectors different from defense and national security, so all the sectors uh, covered by the legislation, uh, should be notified ex ante. And the difference is uh, uh, based on uh, whether the EU investor, the buyer is an EU investor or a non-EU investor. Uh, you have an important difference there because uh, if it is uh, a EU, EU investor, investor from uh, other member countries, uh, then uh, they should only notify a change of control. The buyer from non-EU investors uh, uh, needs to notify also acquisition of shareholdings uh, falling short of control. So 10%, 15%, 20%, 25%. Um, and each of these changes, so exceeding each of these thresholds, uh, would require a new notification under the current rules. And I repeat, these rules are, for the time being, uh, in force until the end of this year, because they have been adopted to face uh, the emergency due to the COVID-19. So these are temporary rules, uh, temporary yeah. changes yes. from, the, from the previous legislation. So it's interesting already, since that Italy... Uh, at the beginning, you mentioned that this uh, regulation applies also to domestic investment. And in this yeah. particular case, uh, this regulation applies also to, to other EU members, or at least to, to investors coming from other EU members, correct? Yes, correct. How, how does this uh, uh, reconcile with uh, the efforts uh, by the European Union to, to create sort of like a common market? Uh, my, my understanding is the European Union... Uh, explicitly refers to extra EU investors. So why is Italy here also extending the regulation to, to other members of the European Union? Clearly, there is a tension and even a paradox there, I would say, because um, 
the European Commission was um, um, was um, urging member states to um, to strengthen their golden power, their foreign direct investment screen, but Italy did in a way that uh, included the EU investors to some extent. However, the government pointed out that the uh, COVID-19 outbreak was the justification for this temporary application of the golden power legislation to intra-EU investments in Italian mm-hmm. companies. So that uh, should be only the, uh, the, the, the objective uh, of uh, this um, specific uh, rule, uh, according to the government, uh, is only to prevent uh, acquisitions that uh, would be uh, triggered by the weakness of uh, Italian companies uh, uh, in this uh, very particular period of time. Okay. So would prevent like pro- sell-offs of, of Italian companies at very... Uh, a pretty low prices compared just like to six months ago, I guess. Yes, that's right. Okay, so is this new regulation, uh, does it apply also to portfolio investments in the stock markets, for example? Yes, yes, of course. Okay, so it uh, really applies across the board. It doesn't matter whether it is a portfolio investment or or a, an investment, a direct investment into a private company. I guess uh, this is an interesting point. I was speaking a couple of weeks ago with uh, an expert in Australia, and they also updated their FDI screening uh, legislation in the past couple of months, but they decided to exclude uh, portfolio investment uh, although then uh, for for any other operation they 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 zeroed the threshold of the value threshold of the operation that basically triggers uh, an investment review when it comes to italy is there any particular value threshold in absolute terms the only um threshold you have is for the 10% shareholding. Uh, The acquisition of a 10% shareholding uh, should be notified uh, if the transaction is worth more than 1 million euros. So basically all the transactions. And uh, and, uh, the shareholdings of 15, 20, 25 and 50% should be notified irrespective of the value of the transaction. So regardless of the value, you have to notify. I see. I see. Very clear. I think that another interesting point made by the European Commission referred to to small and medium enterprises and startups. Mm. In a way, the, the European Commission recognized the fact that no matter the size of your company, you may still be a small startup, but developing a very strategic technology. Mm. Um, what is the perspective? of the Italian legislator on uh, startups? Well, this, you know, it's not a question of uh, um, identifying the transactions that should be notified, because uh, when you look at that, when you look at the notification requirement, there is no difference um, uh, depending on the size of the company or the um, or the startup, uh, the fact that there is a startup or the incorporates new technology. But all these um, aspects become relevant uh, when uh, you go to the assessment of the transaction, of course. And then in that case, uh, clearly the protection of uh, startups with high technology can play a role. Okay, fantastic. And with regards to, to, to the review time, is there any minimal, minimum uh, review time that the legislator grants 
authorities to, to issue a, a decision or an opinion on the operation? Yes, uh, you know, before 2019, the time frame was 15 days uh, from notification, and then it was extended to, to 45 days. So today, uh, the review period is 45 days from notification, and there is a possibility for the authority to, um, to stop the clock um, just once uh, in in uh, uh, with a request for information to the to the notif to the notifying company or to third parties on a more operational level um so this new uh regulation was approved in uh, at the beginning of april through a government decree uh have you seen uh, since then uh, a, a rising number of uh, operations that have been reviewed by italian authorities yeah, there has been a um, uh, significant increase in the number of uh, operations notified to the authority. Uh, so if you look at the numbers in terms of how many, how many transactions are notified, clearly there is a, a huge increase when compared to, to last year. Well, we have a, a statistics which is not official at all, right. but according to our data, uh, we are at um, more or less the same number of notification in 2020 now, uh, now at, the, at this moment, uh, than in the whole 2019. So probably there will be the double of notifications at the end of the year when compared to, to, to the to previous years. This is in terms of number of notifications, but in terms of um, exercise of special powers by the government, on that, uh, although again, we don't have official statistics, what we can say for now is that uh, um, the percentage of transactions that have conditions imposed on them is roughly the same uh, as in the past. So around 10% of the transactions have uh, um, received the conditions. So the, the Italian government uh, will uh, um, impose the commitments or conditions on the notifying company. Okay, this is interesting. So the, the percentage of uh, conditions imposed by the government uh, is the same, uh, roughly 10%, but obviously, uh, I guess in absolute terms, uh, we are talking about twice as much as last year because uh, Correct. Uh, yeah, the, the, the number is doubling. What is the nature of the conditions? So rather, what is the position of the Italian government uh, in, in the way it handles this, this uh, uh, golden power? Is it, is it more prone to veto operations or is it more prone to impose conditions in order to make the, the, the acquisition better from the Italian perspective, but eventually happen? What is clear is that uh, the Italian government uh, is not uh, has no intention to veto transactions. Uh, there, has be, uh, there has been only one uh, transaction uh, block uh, since the beginning of um, application of the, the regime. Uh, so they go uh, rather for the imposition of uh, commitments or conditions, but only when there are uh, threats of serious harm to the public interest. So they are really not abusing of this power. We cannot say that they are abusing of this power because right. they, they really impose condition on a limited number of uh, transactions. 
and I am aware, for instance, of uh, uh, some um, uh, multilateral conversations having taken place uh, between uh, member states, member governments, and the European Commission. And Italy uh, pointed out that uh, they have a lot of notifications, so they have indeed um, uh, extended the field of application of the legislation. But in terms of the number of transactions uh, uh, with conditions or commitments, uh, this is uh, relatively low. Uh, it's it's interesting. I was reading uh, uh, a few weeks ago the case of uh, the acquisition of a biotech co company, uh, a biotech company listed on the Italian stock exchange called uh, Molmed by yeah. by 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 Japanese investor. And this this operation was reviewed by by the government. Uh, that asked the Japanese investor, amongst other conditions, uh, uh, for the operation to go through to maintain uh, research and development activities within the country and not to cut uh, jobs. So yeah. are, these, are these the kind of conditions that we should expect from the government uh, while uh, reviewing these operations? We have noted that there has been a shift in the kind of conditions imposed. Up to the COVID outbreak, uh, most of them were uh, either monitoring-related conditions, uh, such as the obligation to provide um, updates to the governments, or conditions relating to the composition or nationality of the management, of the target's management. Uh, now, uh, you are right, we are seeing conditions that uh, go beyond that, that stem from a different rationale that goes beyond the mere security and public policy concerns and include uh, the protection of employment levels, uh, know-how or market value. It seems that there is indeed a shift and that the commitments uh, do not only uh, refer to uh, harm to the public interest in terms of uh, technology or uh, control of uh, technology by nationals of the member states, but also the employment levels uh, and this, uh, this kind of social and economic considerations. So indeed, there is a, a broadening of the uh, typology of, a con of conditions or commitments imposed. This is a very interesting point, uh, uh, this shift of conditions or this uh, evol ev evolution of the conditions imposed by the government. Uh, is this enshrined in the new uh, legislation or the official narrative is still a narrative of protecting national security and then on a more operational level we, we, we can see that other things like economic security or even like technology sovereignty are being taken into account. Yes, um, no, the narrative uh, has not changed, so it's rather a change or a shift in uh, the uh, practical application. This is something that, uh, well, it, it is a clear trend. However, I must also say that uh, uh, my perception is that uh, this uh, uh, new uh, approach hasn't limited investors' freedom to the point that some of them have decided to back out of a proposed deal. <clears throat> okay, so it's so... not that important, that strong, that invasive uh, to, uh, to prevent a deal to, to, go, to go forward. <clears throat> okay, so this leads to my, to my next question. What has been at least, you know, when you, when you, when you relate to your clients, mm. uh, what, what has been the reaction of... Uh, uh, Italian businesses and possible interested foreign investors to these new rules? 
I have uh, witnessed a very mature behavior and reaction of uh, companies to this uh, change of legislation. Uh, FDI screening, including Italy's golden power legislation, is viewed uh, by companies and funds as a regulatory authorization, as a, an additional condition precedent to the completion of the deal. And they simply try to check whether uh, this is necessary, whether they have to, um, to foresee uh, the notification in the agreements, in the transaction documents. And uh, and then, uh, as I said, well, you run it in parallel with merger clearances uh, or other regulatory authorizations that you need to have, and it doesn't affect uh, so much, uh, to, to my experience, my experience, the the outcome or the execution of the transactions. When it comes to any other country that is uh, setting up this uh, screening mechanism, uh, often. The, the big elephant in the room is uh, uh, our countries like obviously China, Asian countries in general, but rather maybe we should talk rather to about uh, state-owned uh, investors where they could steer doubts about the real uh, agenda behind their investment. Um, Italy has been, uh, we have seen in the wake of the, the, the global financial crisis 10 years ago, Italy has experienced a big wave of uh, of Chinese investment yes. uh, has experienced a big wave of uh, investments that otherwise in, in, in previous year was pretty much unknown, like Indian investment or other Asian investment uh, or investment also from the Emirates. So uh, looking forward, the sensitive issue here is that at some point, maybe already now, there, there, there will be a tension between uh, uh, the legislation that tries to protect uh, mm. the economy and the need of uh, many businesses to source new capital and fresh capital also amongst uh, uh, foreign uh, investors. So do you, do you see these tensions happening already at the moment, or do you, do you expect it to, to, to manifest itself at some point in the foreseeable future? There is some tension in uh, in theory, of course, uh, but then in practice, for the time being, it's not that significant uh, on the basis of my experience. Now, clearly, uh, when you see at the, uh, at the when you look at the future, much depends on uh, what uh, Italy will decide after the end of the transitional period, which is covered by the legislation today. Will this be extended, uh, or uh, the we will go back to the no Normal application of freedoms of establishment and the movement of capital within the European Union as the 1st of January of 2021. This is the big question today. And it's not only obviously Italy dealing with this question, but every European Union member, I guess, that is, has to, to, to provide an answer to this question. Yeah, absolutely. And also take into account that, uh, well, um, the um, the the cl- political climate uh, has changed in Italy uh, quite significantly in uh, in the last uh, in the last months and uh, um, today I would say that there is a, an effort to streamline administrative procedures and uh, continuing with economic reforms. So, in my opinion, Italy is becoming a more friendly environment for foreign investment than for foreign investors and investments than before. 
but we will have to see what happened in 2021, of course. In 2021, in terms of like economic uh, cycle or uh, political developments? Well, in both in terms of political developments and in terms of uh, um, the decisions the government will make uh, regarding the extension uh, of uh, the current rules. <laughs> okay, uh, Massimo, uh, I would say a very last point. Uh, so taking everything into account, uh, what is your piece of advice for your clients that are reaching out to you to, to, to ask how they should uh, or how they can navigate this uh, ever-evolving uh, uh, regulation on the screening of foreign investment in Italy? Yes, there is a lot of interest. Uh, there is, there are, uh, we receive a lot of questions uh, uh, regarding uh, proposed uh, transactions, even at the very early stages, because clients want to know if they have to envisage at some point in time um, a notification under the Golden Power Rules. Uh, many of these, we, we do a lot of, uh, let's say, non-billing work just to inform clients that uh, what are the, uh, the interpretative guidelines and, uh, in Italy to the extent it is possible because, you know, uh, we are missing, we are still missing a number of implementing decrees that have never been adopted. So sometimes it can be difficult to, to, to provide uh, very uh, appropriate and reliable guidelines to the clients. But we do a lot of this, uh, of this work at uh, very early stages of uh, transactions. And then, uh, of course, we have a good record of uh, notifications to the Golden Power Authority and have established a very good relationship with the officials in charge of the review. Massimo Merola, a partner with uh, Italian law firm Bonelli Erede. Thank you very much, Massimo, for being uh, with us today. A great pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This was the third episode of Fortress FDI, our mini-series about rising investment scrutiny and protectionism in countries around the globe. The next episode will take you to Germany, another European Union member that has been busy fine-tuning its investment screening mechanism to embrace things like tax sovereignty. Please follow us and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Acast and Spotify or find us directly on our website fbiintelligence.com slash podcast. As always, until the next time. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, 
What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.